0: The Around the League Podcast has
1: no prior head coaching experience.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined by heroes. Chris Wesseling, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Hey, guys. (laughs) We're not a room full anymore? Uh, Well, no, I'm just shortening it a little bit for this one. Oh, okay or you just kind of stumbled over it? Nah, I thought it was pretty good. It was I, smooth, but... Uh, hey, I'll say, um, by the way, it smells awesome in here. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Wessling, who has the best off days of anyone. Uh, what is that scent? Is that a perfume? That is a
3: Kruger, bland, Kruger Brand 30 Proof Sunblock. Ooh. Yeah.
2: I actually, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was one of those Russian women you play... Uh, with a shuffleboard <laughs> with that maybe her perfume had rubbed off
4: Julian? on the polo. Julia, <laughs> oh, is that a, it's a
3: real person. There is a there is a Zorina there. Yes, Wesleyan <laughs> is fresh <laughs> off the
4: boat from Georgia. Um, doesn't know a lot of people here in L.A. I give him a terrible schedule where he's working all weekend, so he has Tuesday and Wednesday off. So he spends these days just lounging by the pool and watching copious amounts of film and drinking copious amounts of beer and reading <laughs> some good books, which sounds. Pretty awesome.
2: So I, I would
1: say I'm wildly jealous of the guy's <laughs> lifestyle in general. It's so a fairly
3: looks, ab-
2: accurate description. He's tanned and relaxed. He smells great. Uh, he has great calves because he's wearing shorts right now. Everything seems to be turning up aces for the old Westman. I want to know
4: what
3: uh, you <laughs> learned from all the film watching. Anything stand out? <laughs> well, I tweeted about this yesterday. Bryce Butler. Seventh, ra- Butler. seventh rounder from the Raiders. Uh, to me, this is like what preseason's all about. You get a guy who is, comes into camp with a third-string offense, makes plays in the first preseason game. By the second preseason game, he's starting in practice and playing with the first-string offense, catching passes with Matt Flynn. We see all these guys who are rookies and get pub and still are running as the fourth or fifth receivers. This guy might have a chance to be the first or second receiver for the Raiders. You know, you could listen to Dave Damashek's podcast
4: for the next four years. You're not going to hear about Bryce Butler. That is why you come to the Around like <laughs> well, podcast. You have to Getting squeeze deep. in
1: a shot on Damashek somehow. <laughs> why not? <laughs> We're what, a minute and a half
3: into the show? He's not taking shots at us? That Raiders well, wide receiver
4: situation is weird, too. We don't know. I mean, he really might start, right? I mean, he's got a chance. What, Jacoby Ford said he could be the
3: number one receiver for the Raiders.
2: All right, guys, so we have a full show today. We're going to have our AFC West preview as we wrap up that conference. Uh, we're going to do a little Hard Knocks talk, uh, the episode last night, but we'll start with some news. And in honor of NFL.com's Fantasy Draft Week, which you could find out more about at NFL.com backslash Fantasy Draft Week. <laughs> Love the plug. Pretty good plug there. <laughs> Hope the bosses were listening to that. We're going to give some news that has a little bit of a, a fantasy spin um, so we'll send that, we'll send it over to Greg Rosenthal, the boss, to give us a little breakdown of the news.
4: It's really a fantasy tinged episode. maybe our, our fantasy preview, I guess we're going to give one big piece of advice later in the show each on what you should do for your fantasy drafts. But for the news this week let's start with with Michael Vick, which is it, you know we know now he's officially the starter. My question is, what are the expectations for him as a starting quarterback this year?
2: I, it could go so many directions. I could see him hurt after three weeks. I could see him have a short leash and see falls in there by week four. Or I could see him have that 2010-type season. I mean, he certainly he has that drive. He looks good. He came in camp in shape, and he has something to prove. If this offense is as good as people think it can be and catches people off guard, uh, I feel like the sky's the limit for this guy.
1: Yeah, I think the the thing that's encouraging out of Philadelphia is Kelly basically saying – He's my starter, and I'm sticking with this guy. Where a year ago, Andy Reid was in trouble early, and you got a sense that Andy Reid was going to lose his job, and he started cycling through quarterbacks, and Vic got hurt. It was, a, it was about as bad a year as it could be for Vic. I really think, obviously, that a whole team's energized, and Vic is like f- suddenly five years younger, he looks to me, on the field. So we'll see. Again, can he stay healthy?
3: Well, that, that would be the big question. I think... The offensive line is much improved this year. They're all healthy. So that, that helps. I I think for the first time in, what, a 12-year NFL career, he finally has an offense that's suited to his strengths as a player. So that's promising. Uh, we always seen him in fantasy. Jim the Mora gar- didn't do it for you? Jim Mora mm. had, like, the exact opposite offense she should be running for for, for Vic. I, I guess for fantasy purposes, we know we've seen him finish, uh, take take owners to the fantasy title two or three years ago. We know he has that kind of upside. I guess that's tempered a little bit for me by the loss of Macklin. I thought, you know, two or three years ago he had the best weapons in the league. With They had so much speed with Jackson, Macklin, and McCoy, and if you take Macklin out and replace him with Riley Cooper, that upside isn't quite as good for me. Who's I'm, Riley Cooper? No,
4: never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm buying Michael Vick because of what you said about the offensive line could be such a weapon for them, and he's the perfect type of guy. I didn't have many strategies in fantasy football, but – my main one was guys that are really talented that are coming at discount prices. He's already shown he can be a dominant type of player and he's going to be, you you could probably take him pretty late. And he has the upside of a top couple guy. And, I mean, I'm excited about watching this offense. I'm buying into the entire Chip Kelly experience. And look at the defenses in that division. None of those secondaries scare me at
2: all. I think those are going to be a lot of high-scoring games in the NFC East. I will say this about Vic and fantasy leagues. There's going to be one guy in your league that's either an Eagles fan or is reading a little too much into the hype of Kelly's offense that will probably reach and grab him probably two rounds before he should go. So you might have to act aggressively. That would be my guess on that.
4: There's well, so many younger, cooler like versions of Michael Vick true. now, though, that people will take first.
1: Right, the whole quarterback position where if you had to grab one of those five or six guys a year ago, it's like you have got you can go another round and still get someone of value now.
4: What else is in the news, Greg? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, we learned today, is going to miss some time in the regular season. He's got a Liz Frank injury. Uh, Ian Rappaport uh, reported for us. It sounds like he's going to miss most likely the first month of the season they were really counting on him uh to be a big factor for them be their starter they had so many problems in the running game you know what do we think about this Steelers running game now I think it's Wes said it
1: so well when he when Bell was going to play that first preseason game and he didn't that it robbed the fans of a chance to watch this young back and really what would have been one of the first featured backs for the Steelers in a long time. We're going to keep waiting. And, you know, the Steelers are a, do, do a good job of overcoming injuries a lot of times. Every year they seem to have someone sidelined, but it's a big loss for them.
3: We've heard this narrative out of Pittsburgh for a couple of years now since they ran off Arians that Tomlin and the Roonies want to get back to smash-mouth football. Sheck touched on it in the, uh, last week's podcast. They want to pound the ball. I can't do the Pittsburgh ac- the <laughs> accent like Sheck. But, yeah, they want to pound the ball. <laughs> And it turns out they basically have the same you know, running back by committee that they're going to have le- as last year, except you throw in Stevens Howling, who isn't in every down type by any means. So it's a patchwork committee again.
2: i just like to say that I, I did the ATL post about the update that he has a List Frank injury. <laughs> I did not provide an uppercase for List Frank, And then our senior news editor, Justin Hathaway, Emailed me to say that it was actually a human being, this Lisfranc character, and then, uh, as it turns out, he was a pioneering—this is Wikipedia—pioneering French surgeon and gynecologist. Huh. Did
4: well, not the, see that coming. The
3: injury came from soldiers. <laughs> I mean,
2: that's two pretty different
3: things, right yeah, there. Yeah, no. That, the that's injury came from soldiers falling off their horses and getting their foot stuck in the uh, stirrup, and that would break their foot right in the middle of it, and that's how you got a midfoot sprain or fracture. Laying by the Pool. Yeah, this is what
1: happens when you've got <laughs> roughly 17 or 18 hours to read a week.
2: Dan, Case of beer, pool, <laughs> research. Dan's reading off
4: Wikipedia. Wesleyan's got it
3: all upstairs. <laughs> all he all just knows about Brag. I've got a little cliff clavin in me. It's the mailman days. <laughs> That's what, right. <laughs> one of uh,
4: Wesleyan's favorites this year is Jermichael Finley, the Green Bay Packers tight end. Mike McCarthy quoted uh, this week saying it's his best training camp he's ever had. Clear-cut He's blocking now. He's catching. Are we buying the Jermichael Finley hype? This
3: goes back to the last six or seven games of last year. He had played much better than people realized he did. He got over his uh, midseason shoulder injury and I believe set a new career high for yardage last year, even though he missed a game or two and was playing hurt. He's a better player than people realize. They don't have Greg Jennings there anymore. They're going to need Finley to run more of the middle of the field. And I think Eddie Lacy opens things up a little bit, too. I just see everything. You know, you hear the offensive coordinator talking about he finally knows how to run routes. To me, that's a tangible thing, not, not hype. If he's, he finally knows the offense, he's putting in a time, he's matured, he's in a contract year, I'm buying in on Jermichael Finley.
1: I go with you on the Lacy factor, too. I watched that Rams game, and I, Wes and I were talking about this before, that the fact that like defenses actually have to respect to some level the play action in Green Bay versus a year ago when it was a complete joke. It opened up that part of the field where Finley was just so dangerous. And he had, a, what, three catches, a ton of yards in that game against the Rams. Four Did it- for 78? Did a nice job, and I just i think that's the kind of games we could see from him consistently.
4: And this is shaking his head vigorously over here.
2: You know what? I and I respect here uh, comes a 2009 reference. No, I respect everyone <laughs> in this room, their opinions, except for Sessler's. And I, I, will, I will say this that uh, the one thing I know about Finley is that he's consistently inconsistent, and I understand that the, he has all the tools there, but I've seen enough from him to. to think to myself i don't see him ever becoming a, a star player he's gonna have his moments he's in an awesome offense offense that could be more dynamic with a better running game now but he drops the ball he's gonna have drops he's gonna go in dog uh, doghouse i i just don't think he's gonna be the guy and if you want to spin it back to fantasy i think he's a great late round flyer if you can get him in the 10th round or something but i i would not uh bet your house on finley becoming a jimmy graham type player
3: well I, you have to also consider the uncertainty at the tight end position this year. There's only, what, two or three tight ends that you We've would feel comfortable We've lost a bunch. With? Yeah. You'd yes. only feel comfortable about Witten, and Graham, and, and Gonzalez, maybe?
4: I'm liking Finley. The one thing I can tell you about him is that he's tall. I mean, the last television spot I ever did was one of, for an <laughs> NBC Sports Network was one of the more emasculating moments of my life interviewing Jermichael Finley Outside in the freezing cold in Indianapolis, he showed up late, so we had to do it live. And uh, I not only had to stand on a box; it was it was a pretty big box, and that that was a first for me. And that just sort <laughs> wow, of let, that's awesome. that just sort of let me know where I was. But if you if you somehow found that tape on the internet or whatever, me and JerMichael eye to eye, right there. You look wow. daunting on that close-up shot. Yeah, it was a little a little scary. All right, anything else, Greg? Uh, Arian Foster's back on the practice field. Uh, We don't know how extensive it is, so we don't know how important, but he is off the pup list. We talked about him the other day. Also, Lamar Miller and Daniel Thomas, your boy Miller, Wessling over there, is struggling to get a hold of this starting running back job. They are splitting reps in Miami.
3: Yeah, he seems like he's just not playing with confidence. Uh, I think the coaches know he's a better talent. That's what they talked about all offseason. They want to give him the job. It seems to me like this is one of those motivational ploys he has to earn it and he hasn't earned it yet. To me, the talent will win out in the end. I wouldn't worry about too much of Daniel Thomas. We've seen what he is as an NFL back. Uh he's a bit on the plotting side. He fumbles a lot. He hasn't really converted in short yardage yardage like they like. So I think I think this is gonna be Lamar Miller's job. But I for fantasy purposes I would I guess I would advise don't expect him to be reliable in September.
4: He's one of those guys at the hype maybe inflated him too much now to the point where he's not really a a sleeper anymore. He's just a guy that's going early because everyone like Wesleyan's been talking him up all offseason.
2: How could he be (laughs) battling with confidence if he was a making the leap candidate for around the league? It seems to have taken... (laughs) You think think he would be just filled and be pouring out of the... Could
1: it be because one making the leap candidate after the next has been felled by
4: injury or like bizarre misfortune. We don't talk about that here. (laughs) That's not true at all. That's not true. It's picking up steam. Between 40 guys, you know, some are going to get suspended, some are going to get arrested, whatever. We
3: need that Brady Bunch Hawaii episode uh, (laughs) background noise, uh, the curse thing whenever we talk about making the
2: leap. Let's find that on YouTube. Um, Okay, so Mark Sessler and I are, are mere mortals when it comes to fantasy sports we both play we we co-own a team in the nfl it's called allison brie um if she finds out about it probably a restraining order is in in line <laughs> but uh the two gentlemen the other gentlemen in the room greg rosenthal Former editor in chief and overall czar over at Roto World for like eight years—that's two presidential terms—and then <laughs> Wes was. Were you like a consigliere type character? Yeah, you could say that. Okay, so you guys are experts. So you know, take what Mark and I say with a grain of salt, but <laughs> listen, listen very closely to Rosenthal and Wesling as we give each of us give our advice for the fantasy drafts coming up.
4: I hate that word, expert. That's my, that's my point of advice is the oh, experts. Oh, you love it. Please. <laughs> you absolutely love it. The experts don't know what they're talking about. That's my piece of advice is don't pay that close of attention to the fantasy rankings. You can use them to give you some information on who's draftable and all that. But after a while, there becomes a logic like this guy's a second-round pick. This guy's a fifth-round pick. Don't take him to it. it. doesn't. None of it means anything. It doesn't mean anything, and no one could possibly predict how crazy the season is going to be. If you lined up what the the end-of-the-season rankings are for everyone, and you made that your preseason ranking somehow, people would say you were nuts. I mean, I was talking to uh, a friend the other night, and he had the number two pick, and he was saying, oh, I like these guys. I kind of like McCoy, though. Is that 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 crazy to take McCoy? I was like, why wouldn't you take Lashawn? Just take him. I mean, oh, but he's supposed to be the fifth or sixth pick. (laughs) <laughs> it, no one knows anything. I mean, give me, give me a break. Am I, I, I like like you
2: right? Le- you leaving the industry and then torching it, kerosene think- and then a match.
3: When when I was at Rotorwood, I told people the exact same thing as Greg. There's no right answer. This isn't scientific. Go right. with your gut. If you like a guy, take him. Information is great. Learning more y- about all the players
4: and the situation. That's all good. Knowing all the players. That's important. That's where fantasy. You know, analysts. Everyone can help you out, but. There'll just be sort of a logic that sets in, and none of it makes any sense. Like, oh, you can't take if Colin. If you like Colin Kaepernick, make him your top quarterback. Make him the number one quarterback. Your, take him in the first round if you want. It doesn't matter. He could be the number one quarterback. Why not? Crazier things happen every Wait, you every you take year.
2: A quarterback in the first round.
4: Not necessarily, but if, if I'm feeling it and that's right. who I want, sure. Yeah, don't it, let the experts.
3: It that's what the experts say.
2: So you're hmm. saying th- that's the type of stuff not to listen to.
4: No,
3: them. the experts always have this take this position and this. Uh, don't worry about any of that position stuff. Just take, Just take who take you the like. the best player
1: on your board. Shouldn't you build a team off of players that you don't hate, number one, that you don't want yeah, to see absolutely. succeed? Absolutely. That's <laughs> what I never liked about fantasy football was like, why am I rooting for Heinz Ward to <laughs> score a three-yard
4: touchdown and knock the Browns out of this game? Well, along with that advice, is I did take a peek a peek at the average draft position this year just to see what's going on. And it was crazy that Steven Jackson and, and Reggie Bush were in the top 20 or 25. I was like, is this 2006? What is going on? Mm. That somehow has become a logical thing, and that's not logical. So that's my point.
3: I'm done. Wes, what do you got? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, I'm that, out! That was, yeah, that was powerful. You guys want
3: to hear a bit of a rant? Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of piggybacking over of Greg's point. Like, um, it's getting aggro. In you here. guys are like <laughs> industry
1: men who are on four, like beer number four.
2: This is like Don Draper when he kind of goes off and destroys his own agency every other. As season. Greg said, spoiler there, alert.
3: I, I hate the term "expert" too. All these guys from all of the different websites who write about fancy. They all stand in line behind each other and become this big clique, and everybody's afraid to stand out. They're just, it, you just Everybody has to agree on where you should take a player, and it, to me, it defeats the whole purpose of the game. Uh, along those lines, you know, like Greg was saying, you have to take this guy in the first round. You guys, would ask, who should I take at number three overall? Do you want me to wine and dine your wife for you, too? Kiss her at the end of the night for you? <laughs> Make up your own mind. This is your team. Don't answer that question. I'd like to see that
2: yeah all right so really so, uh, oh you're still going yeah go so sorry about that didn't <laughs> want to cut you that, off that was it's... my
3: rant but my piece of advice okay, is okay is. with all of this information handy we've got twitter we've got sites like rotoworld nfl.com has a one-hour fantasy show every day information everybody has it now you're not getting a sleeper to me the sleeper is dead you go for guys take advantage of recency bias which is ryan matthews was seventh in fantasy points in 2011 But because he played through two collarbone injuries last year, everybody assumes he's this injury-prone guy who will always disappoint you. Matthew Stafford, a few years ago, had missed 18 of 32 games. Everybody called him a China doll. Then he throws for 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns the next year, and all of a sudden he's cured? (laughs) This is recency bias. Take advantage of it. There are so many bargains out there, like Greg said. Who you want are the really talented guys who everybody has written off and decided they're no good anymore. To me, a guy like Ryan Matthews falls in there, and if you look at his injuries they're kind of like um the uh what you see isn't their factor people forget that we don't see college injuries so adrian peterson it's kind of similar injuries to ryan matthews because they happened in college they're not on fantasy owners minds hmm. and the way i saw ryan matthews run the other night to me he looks like 2011 ryan matthews wrestling so,
2: dropping knowledge wow that's pretty it. good hey uh I could jump in and give mine, but I'm going to throw it to Sessler. She always want to be the guy that follows the guy that failed, not the legend.
1: You know. By the way, so Dan and I are heading into year three of co-owning a team. Yeah. And the last two nights of the draft, Dan has been the first time he was flat out just on vacation. Yeah. And un unavailable. Last year he was like in New York, partly available. And when he, I needed him to, I stepped away and needed him to make a pick. He missed it. <laughs> And we got auto-drafted Ridley, who was our best player. Yeah. There you go.
4: There's a lesson in that. So maybe
1: people just turn the volume down for the next <laughs> one. I would like to invite you to be part of the process this year, Dan. Uh, but I'm going to give you two guys uh, a a riser who and a bust. Listen, if you're out there and you're a complete novice, this will be of use to you. But I love Shane Vereen <laughs> on the, By the Patriots. Way, Mark's
2: points come with a lot of uh, hand language. Yeah, no, it's like, like I can't say I'm
1: not – you know, I, I have enough going on. Fantasy football <laughs> is not my top priority, but I like Shane Vereen on the Patriots for the reason that we talked about. Aaron Hernandez cannot be completely replaced, but this is one guy that's going to take some of that action, and I don't think he's a – he's maybe a flex guy. Plug him in that way, they're going to use him as a runner, as a pass catcher, and I think that Belichick's saying – listen, Vereen, we're going to give you a big chance. It's up to you to, to make a click. And he's done really well early on in the preseason, so that's my guy to cling on to potentially. He's a flex guy. My bust potential is Monty Ball, not feeling it. Mm. And I that may be, that's presumptuous right now, but I think, number one, it's that's cooked right into a complete, we're going to use Hillman, we're going to use Ball. Neither one of these guys for a while is going to take over in the run game. I'd stay away from him. That's some hardcore... Fantasy advice, right there.
2: That was pretty good, actually.
4: It reminds me of what we talked about a month or two ago on the podcast. You were that just slotting those rookies in that they're going to be fine. Well, suddenly Bell is out a month. Ball is struggling to get the starting job. Arthur Brown and Matt Elam aren't even starting in Baltimore. It it's usually doesn't
2: go as well as you expect it to go. Um, real quick for me, I would just say draft as many Colts as possible. I think that offense is going to be dynamic. I think I luck. like that. I think luck, by the way, and I don't want to. Uh, This is a bit of a teaser, but later in the month, uh, our blog is going to have some MVP picks, but I think luck is going to be amazing this year. I love Reggie Wayne. I love T.Y. Hilton. I even like Kobe Fleener. I like Ahmad Bradshaw, potentially. I even like DHB a little bit, Darius hayward Bay. No,
3: Dwayne Allen love making the leap. Oh, sorry. Dwayne Allen. I even love Dwayne (laughs) Allen. So give
2: give the Colts a good look on your board. Two I making the leap candidates
3: there. Ty Hilton. I have was on a the mix. Uh, prepared statement of any kind, but Greg made a point the other day on our <laughs> record <laughs> predictions, and I feel like I may have sold the Colts a little short. Oh. <laughs> wow, I've already was, backtracking. No, you made an excellent point. If if we believe Andrew Luck is going to be one of these quarterbacks who can carry his team, why wouldn't I predict them to be a better than eight and eight team? I think that's a good point.
2: All right, so that is. That is our fantasy uh, segment for the for the show. I thought that went pretty well. We might have to bring that back sometime. Well, let us know what you think. Hashtag. <laughs> <Eight>. <laughs> Crystal, how did that sound, by the way?
4: That sounded amazing, except you forgot hashtag NFL <laughs> ATL.
2: Oh, wow. All right. Uh, okay. Well, oh, it's yeah, very that. hard to please Crystal, I've found, in my life so far. But we, we're always trying. We're always trying. We're going to uh, go on now. We have the AFC West preview. We've done... All three, the other three AFC divisions. We're going to wrap up the West. We're going to move on to the NFC on Friday, but let's start. Uh, One question, each of us, and then we'll break it down. The boss, Greg Rosenthal, Broncos. All right. Von Miller was suspended the
4: first six games of the season. My question is, does that really have a big impact on the Broncos this year?
3: Well, I thought... I thought Vaughn Miller was the second best play, uh, defensive player in the NFL last year behind J.J. Watt. Having said that, it sounds so incongruous to follow up with. It doesn't matter. That division's so weak, and the Broncos are so much better than the rest of the division. Even if they get out to a 500 record over the first seven or eight games, they're going to tear through the rest. Of the, the second half of the season. I agree with that. I think it's, it. you know, that that
1: defense is not going to be as dynamic as it could be, but listen, this is Peyton Manning's swan song potentially. They've built the whole team for a Super Bowl surge. They've had a tremendously rough off-season, but I think you're right. They get out of that first stretch, 3 and 3, 4 and 3 or so, and then they roll from there. That's what they did last year.
2: Well, let's look at the schedule over those 6 games that he's missing. You have opening home against the Ravens, tough game. At the Giants is tough. Home to Raiders, they're going to take care of business there. Home against the Eagles, I think they're fine there. And then you have at Cowboys. Or do we think that they can't beat Dallas on the road without Von Miller? And then home against the Jaguars. They should easily have three wins there and maybe four. And if they get out, as long as they get out with three or four wins, who cares? It's fine.
4: I worry about giving wins and losses, but Jaguars and Raiders at home, that, those, that's the two easiest games that you could possibly come up with. I mean, I think the case against Denver is Von Miller, when he comes back, isn't quite Von Miller. I mean, everyone in football kind of glosses over the PDs or substance abuse policy, you know, when you're missing six weeks, that you're just going to come back and be the same guy right away. You know, you don't know that he's going to be able to back up that season, and then you worry about their defensive line. They lost Dumerville. Champ Bailey's getting up there in years. Uh, He's not 100%. He might not be ready for week one either. Some change at linebacker. Right, Derek Wolf's hurt. So I think the case against them is that their defense would really have a big decline. Ultimately, though, I don't think – I think they still have a great chance to get a bye in the AFC. I do.
2: I could see it costing them maybe one or two wins in the big picture, but that still probably, to me, puts them at 11 or 12. So I think the Broncos are going to survive this.
1: And in the AFC, I don't see you know three teams with 11 or 12 wins this season.
2: Right
4: that's the thing it's really less about maybe the other teams in their division and they're competing with the other teams in the AFC for that one and two seed
2: okay so I'll I'll jump in next with the Chiefs they're maybe the biggest buzz team in that in this division you know a lot of people I was in this building last year there were a lot of people that were excited both uh here at NFL media and across the media and fans that were thinking that last year the Chiefs were going to be a team that could be a playoff team they ended up going up in flames, huge dumpster fire. What'd they go, 2-14? and 14? Now you you got Andy Reid in a coach. You have Alex Smith in a quarterback. I know Romeo Cornell is a, as, it's a huge upgrade from Cornell, and Smith is a big upgrade from uh, Castle, but are we supposed to buy in automatically that
3: this team is a playoff team? I'm not sure I'm in. I can't buy that. Uh, I don't see the talent on offense. If Jamal Charles gets hurt, that's a bottom of the barrel offense. Jamal Charles is going to be their joker from everything we've read. They're going to use him for mismatches out wide in the slot everywhere. He's a chess piece for Andy Reid. If he goes down, I mean what? Donnie Avery couldn't separate from Jonathan Baldwin before they gave up on Baldwin. Now we're supposed to buy that he's a number two receiver. Mm-hmm. McCluster, every coach who comes in there, every offensive coordinator talks about how he's got all these plans for McCluster. He never does anything. Dwayne Bowe's good, but from what I saw on film watching yesterday, Alex Smith threw every pass in the middle of the field. He's not throwing outside the numbers to Dwayne Bowe. Everything's going to running backs and tight ends. I don't see this offense really as... And the defense is average, too, I guess. But I don't see this team making the playoffs. Have you th- given up on Andy Reid as a as a difference
4: maker? Yes, I have. Really? I don't know if I can
1: agree with, with the Andy Reid knock there because I, I look at Reid and, and Alex Smith... And logically, Wes, what you're saying is, is true. It's hard to project this as a team with a winning record necessarily, but these two seem to be, and this is, a, this is what football is about sometimes, these guys seem to be driven to prove their detractors wrong. And I think that, yeah, they're not the most dynamic offense in, the, in football, but they play in a division where with the Chargers and Raiders alone, they can pick up wins they wouldn't in another division. And I wouldn't have a huge problem with them going 8-8 eight and eight or better.
2: I think the issue I have also is with Alex Smith and the benefit of the doubt that he now gets, that his career is now turned around and he's going to be the Alex Smith that he was the previous two years in San Francisco. Harbaugh, I think Jim Harbaugh had a huge role in turning him back into a quality player. And more importantly, he protected him in terms of the plays they called and the throws he made. I don't think Alex Smith is going to win games single-handedly. I saw him maybe do it once in that playoff game against the Saints, but in general, I think he's a game manager, potentially a good game manager, but I, I don't I don't buy into Smith as being the, the savior in Kansas City. I shared
4: Dan's concerns about Smith, but I feel like we're selling Andy Reid short. A couple of years ago, we were talking about him as the best coach or one of the best coaches in the NFL along with Bill Belichick, and I'm buying into the revived Andy Reid in a new City making a difference for them uh, as an offense in general. And whenever I'm looking for surprise teams, I look to the schedule. And it, it's tough. It's tough to predict who has an easy schedule, but that division has some easy wins, like Mark mentioned, and they play the AFC South out of division, and I think that's a pretty another easy division. So I think there's room for either the Chiefs or the Chargers to be a surprise team. And because of Reed, I like, I
3: like the Chiefs. I have two follow-up thoughts on Reed. I don't think it's possible to do a better coaching job with Alex Smith than Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman did. That was just masterful. That's fair. They just played to Smith every strength he had and took away every weakness. But if you want to defend Andy Reid, you can say that he gave too much of the offensive responsibility to Marty Morningweg. And he came out and said that, look, we we didn't run the ball enough, and it was because Morningweg didn't want to run it. Kind of threw him under the bus, but... Now Doug Peterson's a first-time offensive coordinator, and maybe we see Andy Reid taking control again. I feel like we're all just
4: doubting Andy Reid. Don't back the Andy Reid into a corner. You've seen him at those punch, <laughs> pass, and kick competitions. He's a He's bad a man. He's a
2: He's a bad man. Um, all right, so we've got the Chargers, and Mark Cecil will handle that.
1: I actually am doing the Raiders, Dan.
2: All right. We're going to do the Raiders, and we're going to Mark (laughs) Sessler. All right. So, obviously, one of
1: the bigger uh, in-house bets uh, inside the ATL world is (laughs) that if the Raiders were to reach or surpass six wins, Chris Wessling... And I have to do nothing if they don't do this. But if they do, (laughs) Wesleyan has vowed to, he is a softball player, to eat his softball pants. Will
2: Chris Wesleyan eat his softball pants?
1: (laughs) Now, we have discussed before that I believe a third of the cloth can be made into a soup of some sort. But regardless, that would be a rough road. And so like a co- broth, you mean? A broth. A, you yeah. could do whatever you need to to get that third of the pants down. Gotcha. But the rest has to be straight on, sort of cloth chewing with some... What about the zipper? The uh, entire thing. I don't have to eat the zipper. The entire There's thing. no way I'm eating the zipper. We'll discuss. But, <laughs> like, question flat out. Do we get to Christmas or, let's say, New Year's in as Wes eating his softball
4: pants? No way. I don't think so. I'm just hoping it's close so that we're getting to week 17 and we're watching like Sebastian Janikowski <laughs> line up for a field goal <laughs>
3: and the in the softball pants eating is all on that. It would be exciting. I think that would be great. I will bring the pants into the office. We'll hold them up. We're watching Seabass kick. I think that would be a fun atmosphere. What is it again? Six wins? Six. Oh, come on. No way. Just to get to six, right? That would do it. Yeah, have, get to six. Uh, I have pulled them out of the marinade. I've given him a pep <laughs> talk. I've told him there's no way we're not stretching another single into a double. It's absolutely going to happen. No. Don't worry about the Raiders.
2: I like that you talk to your clothes. <laughs> <Yes>.
4: <laughs> Losing Jared Valdir was huge. I mean, if, if they win six, I honestly think Dennis Allen should be a coach of the year candidate. If they go 6-10 and 10 or 7-11, because they, they're talking about this isn't last year. We, we, the rebuilding process has started, but I don't know. All those starters are brand new guys and not a lot of talent.
2: If, and the only thing I will say about the Raiders' current – leadership structure is if De- Dennis Allen pulled out five or six wins to him and McKenzie still get fired I, I could still see I could see it happening and it would be a terrible decision but I don't I'm just I don't trust that entire uh, organization from the top down they need more time I mean
1: but they may not get it because that's not how the NFL works right now but it's like will Mark Davis suddenly go somewhat insane pull the plug on the entire operation but what's listening to to this right now i hope he is what's to love about what the operation is at this point it's possibly the least talented team in all of football from a roster like what what's
2: even close and how long does alex Barron last as left tackle is that is it going to end after this week is he going to make it to the regular season
3: i'd say he doesn't make it out of september as the starter
2: yeah That could be maybe for, like, a softball jersey. Will Wes eat a softball (laughs) jersey? Um, All right, so, Wes, you actually have the San Diego Chargers.
3: Okay, so we poke fun at the Raiders' expense. We make jokes. We make bets. Do the Raiders have a chance to have a better record than the Chargers? From what I saw of Phillip Rivers, every pass he threw more than 15 yards was a jump ball between the offense and the defense. He doesn't have the arm he, he once did. He's got no offensive line. The question is, do the Chargers have a chance to finish as the worst team in that division?
4: Hmm. No, I don't think so. I mean, you're, there's always a chance, but I think the Chargers have a much better chance of being second place. I, I'm a little surprised that no one out there, I haven't seen your guys' predictions yet, but Chargers aren't getting much love as as a bounce-back team, and they kind of make sense to me for the same reason I picked the Chiefs, the schedule, and the division, and they've got a quarterback who's shown he can be pretty good. Uh you know, I think they have a better chance to go eight and eight than than be like the Raiders.
1: I have to go down that same path. I, I see where you're coming from, and actually, when I look at my standings, they really don't look a whole lot better than the Raiders in my book. Rivers is pretty questionable, but I actually believe that McCoy is the kind of coach that can get the most out of pretty average offensive weapons. I mean, I don't want to always go back to what he did with Tebow, but he's a creative coach. He's willing to play to his players' strengths, and so I don't see them completely bottoming out and
3: losing the AFC West. What's Philip Rivers' strength at this point in his career?
4: Well, no, I don't think that Philip Rivers is. <laughs> that, was, that was early. He peaked early with that, too. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I think it's not crazy to imagine Philip Rivers becoming a top-ten quarterback again. I mean, he's pretty young. He's shown a pretty high level. If they can protect him, it wouldn't be that surprising, would it? I mean, he's still a pretty young yeah. Top 10 seems Yeah, I, th- I would be shocked.
3: I think he's really? basically Carson Palmer right now. He's lost too much arm strength, and that makes him gamble too much and throw too many picks, too many turnovers. To me, he's a journeyman quarterback now. He's Carson but Palmer. But your question is, will they be worse than the Raiders? And I would take Phillip Rivers
4: over Matt Flynn or anything the Raiders are throwing at you. Plus, we got making-the-leap candidates Kendall Reyes and Corey <laughs> Legit. The Raiders don't have any combo like that. They got some interesting, but play- Eric Weddle, you know, Butler at linebacker. But yeah, the got Raiders are legit. There.
2: All right, fellas. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go around the horn um, and pick the records. Wes,
3: start with you. Broncos 11-5. Chiefs seven and nine. Chargers three and thirteen. Oof. Raiders two and fourteen. All right. fair go ahead mark mine are similar i have
1: the broncos at a 11 4 and 1 wow (laughs) and because of that tie with the chiefs oh the chiefs sneak into the playoffs at 9 6 and 1
4: whoa oh he's buying the chiefs
1: the chargers 4 and 12 and the raiders bringing up the rear at 2 and 14 (laughs)
4: <laughs> right, and Greg? Get, That's probably got to be getting them the number one pick there, 2-14. and 14. I guess yes. we'll have to see the rest of Seltzer's pick. I have the Broncos falling back to earth a little bit because of that defense and going 10-6. and six. The Chiefs also making the playoffs at 9-7. and seven, Wow. Going back to... Uh, a lot of rib-eating for Andy Reid. Well, well, part of it is got to pick some new playoff teams and uh, this would still make four of the six AFC teams for Mark and I returning to the playoffs. Wesleyan and... Dan are just going chalk even more so, but you got to oh, mix on. it up.
2: Uh, Cleveland Browns, <laughs> the rest of my case. Okay, Chiefs nine and seven, Chargers six and ten, and the Raiders at three and thirteen. All right, and then I also have the Broncos eleven and five. Uh, they're going to lose a win or two because of Miller. Uh, Chiefs at seven and nine, Chargers five and eleven, and the Raiders they drop a one and fifteen.
1: Wow. <laughs> Wait, quick question. Cookie so who's us.
4: everyone's number one seed in the AFC now that we've gone through? Mine would be uh, the New England Patriots and the Steelers would be the number two seed. I have the Colts and Broncos winning division and then the Chiefs and the the Ravens and the Chiefs as the wild cards.
1: I have Broncos as number one, Texans as number two. I don't think the Texans even get to the AFC Championship.
2: Hmm. Because of a lack of preparation, I don't have my (laughs) records in front of me but (laughs) i think i had the pats at 12 and 4 so that would have made them the one seed and then the broncos and Bengals are both 11 and 5 let's say the broncos get the tiebreaker so broncos and pats again
3: i have four 11 and 5 teams for the division winners i've got patriots number one seed texans number two seed
2: Hmm. So not
4: a lot of surprises in the afc i've you know i have sources that have shown me some of the (laughs) nfc picks they are a little more exciting the nfc is tougher to pick there's more new playoff teams there's more upsets
2: so you have that to look forward to not as boring as these afc picks (laughs) all right so um we ran out of time so we can't talk about hard knocks today which is probably for the best because half of us didn't even watch the episode (laughs) um we'll be back on friday where we break down i guess the nfc east nfc east is next yes get excited um and I guess that's it. Download download our podcast on iTunes, rate it, leave comments. There's something called Stitcher. I don't know what that is, but get that also. Do whatever has to be done to give us world dominance. And we'll be back Friday. Thanks for listening. Will Chris Wessling eat
1: his softball pants?